this last week in the news, there was a, uh, a uh, kind of a synod in one of the Protestant denominations in Britain, and uh, they were doing an audit to make sure that their whole, all their church practices uh, were in conformity with uh, DEI, diversity, equality, inclusion, that whole crazy thing. And, uh, and they were doing it at each, all these different levels of their church practice, and one of them was scripture. And the archbishop in charge of it, or the bishop in charge of that particular part of the audit, to see if scripture was in conformity with DEI, came back and said, you know, unfortunately it's not. And this was what made the news this week. He said, the Our Father is problematic now. Um, so the suggestion being that because, and again, this is all too true, that many people have experienced uh, bad experiences with their fathers, and that father is, is for them a trigger word, and we don't want to offend them or make them feel uncomfortable, so maybe we should change the Our Father, get rid of that word father, because uh, some people are offended by it. Uh, that entirely misses the point. Huh? The Father doesn't harm, He heals. And now our earthly fathers might be lacking uh, at times, and maybe you know, in a major way for some of us. Um, but the answer isn't to go and change or get rid of the word Father. It's to say, all right, how do we redeem a person's understanding of Father, if not through their own Father, maybe, but through, certainly through their Heavenly Father. That's the answer. Now let's talk about that a little bit. There's this first reading, it's a prophecy from Zechariah, okay? It's after the decline of all the kings, and uh, Israel's in bad shape, they, they have no leadership, uh, the Romans are in control, and, and so you get this prophecy, and I want to just kind of talk a little bit about it. Uh, it says, Rejoice, uh, Jerusalem, uh, your king shall come to you, and he's going to be riding on a donkey, and he's going to banish the chariot from Ephraim, the horse from Jerusalem, the warrior's bow is going to is going to be uh, banished, and he will be a king of peace. So it's a critique of the Romans because they're the only ones who ride horses and ride chariots. Huh? They're the ones in charge. He's going to get rid of those. Uh, but then there's this interesting language about Ephraim and Jerusalem. Ephraim was the northern tribe of, of Israel, and. Jerusalem, Judah, Benjamin were the two southern tribes. So in other words, a king is going to come, a king of peace, who is going to unite Israel back together. He's going to bring it all back together from the north to the south, east to the west. But this king isn't just going to do this. It's going to be a new Israel. And it isn't just going to be the, uh, the 12 tribes. That's not possible. It's going to be uh, the new Israel, which is going to be the church. It's going to be a universal king, universal king of peace, to unite everybody under the one banner of love. And he's going to be riding in a donkey. So let's, you guys want to talk about the donkey? Let's talk about the donkey. All right? Now, uh, to do that, we've got we to gotta, we gotta back it up a, a little bit. Uh, let's go back to, to David, King David. Uh, he's Israel's second king and the best one. Uh, he's such a good guy. And it, when he is, uh, when he, uh, Saul dies, and he, is, he becomes the king of, of uh, South Judah and Benjamin, Jerusalem, uh, he rides into his coronation on a donkey. And he's got his own personal donkey. So uh, he rides that as a sign of humility. 
and he's, you know, he's done so much, and he wants people to know that he loves them. I'm your father, and I love you. So he rides a donkey. Now Solomon is his son, and Solomon's a great guy. And David loves his son, and Solomon loves his dad. And they are just like on the same page. They are one. They're together. They act as they act in unison. A strong bond. His father, his son, his king, and his son. All right. You know we know David's got a messy history, but he was a good guy. He pulled it together at the end, and he got to see his son uh, Solomon take his place. So after David dies. Solomon comes into Jerusalem on his donkey. Not just his, it's his dad's donkey. Solomon's saying, I'm just like my dad. If you've seen the father, if you've seen David, you've seen me. If you see me, you see my father. We're, 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 we're one. That's, you know, that's, it's so beautiful, right? Now, there was that great thing that David had done. Uh, when he was such a good king. It was just Judah and Benjamin. The ten northern tribes were kind of split up north and doing their own thing. And they saw David. He was such a good king that they came down and they said, we want you to be our king too. We, we, you're so awesome. And they, said, and they said, you are bone of our bone, flesh of our flesh. Well, the only other time that's used, those words are used in scripture is in Genesis when, when Adam woke up from his deep sleep and he saw Eve. And he married her. And what were the bridal words? It was the, the vows were, you're born of my bone, flesh, and my flesh. So in other words, the northern, ten northern tribes have married David. He's their bridegroom. And he doesn't sit on a golden throne. He sits on a donkey. He's one of them. So there's unity. There's peace. There's a fatherly and son bond. So when... Solomon comes in. He does the same thing. He's like his dad. But then something goes wrong. Solomon falls off the track, and he starts marrying all these pagan women, and he starts adopting their religions. He gets into collecting horses. He's extracting gold. He's placing heavy burdens. Uh, he's, uh, 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 and he becomes a bad king. And he dies that way. Now he's got a son too, Ray Bone. Rehoboam, when he comes into his kingdom, when he is coronated, he doesn't ride a donkey. He rides a horse. He's like, I'm just like my dad. Yeah. Father and I, we'll go And so the ten northern tribes, they were sick of David. Now they're even more sick of Rehoboam. They come down and say, uh, you got to change this. The burdens you place on us, the yoke you place on us, they're too heavy to bear. We need your help. And he says, forget it. I'm just like my dad. I'm going to double down even. I'm going to even better than my dad. And so they took off and divorced themselves. The great divorce. And the ten northern tribes never got back because eventually they, when they took up uh, fake king and fake places of worship, they lost God's blessing. Assyria came down and killed them and exiled them all. Never to be seen again. All right. So that's where, he's, that's where Zechariah comes in. Israel's a mess. Uh, ten northern tribes are gone. Judah, Benjamin... Uh, they, you know, they, they're battling the Babylonians and they're in exile and they're saying what, what happened we had, we had this team we had David, we had Solomon they were humble and they 
uniters, and now we're lost. What are we going to do? We're broken, we're hurt, we're angry, we're frustrated. We're... So Zacharias says, hey, don't, don't worry about it. It's going to happen. It's going to get better, I promise. A new king's going to come, like David, like Solomon. And he's, he's going he's gonna to unite everybody under the one banner of love in the new, in the new kingdom, the new Israel, the new church. Not, to, not the 12 tribes, but the 12 apostles. And guess what? He's going to ride a donkey. And so when Jesus comes into Jerusalem for his coronation, he's riding a donkey. Because he's the new king that's been foreshadowed. And, and what's the first thing he does? He goes into the temple and, and stops worship by getting rid of the animals and, and getting rid of the money tables. He's basically saying, the temple's worthless now. The temple now resides in me. And I'm the kingdom. Right? And I'm the place of worship. I am worship. Love me. Follow me. Be with me, because the Father and I are one, which brings us to the reading that we have today, where Jesus exclaims, which is the terrible translation. I don't know why they do this. The word exclaims is a substitute for Jesus cried out in a loud voice. And where does Jesus say that? At the cross. He cries out in a loud voice. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Father, I love them. Father, thank you for giving them to me. Now I'm going to give them to you by doing your will because you and I are on the same page. Father, I love you. And I'm going to be, I'm, I'm going to be like you because I am you. I am bone of your bone, flesh of your flesh. And I'm going to marry these people that you have given to me. I'll be the best bridegroom. Because the Father said and does for, the, for, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son. And Jesus says, Father, I love these that you gave me, and none of them are going to be lost. Father and I are one. If you know God, you know Jesus. If you know Jesus, you know God, because they are one. We can trust them, and they come in peace. He comes on a donkey as one of us, as humble, as, as, a, as a servant, as one who's going to unite and heal and forgive and be compassionate. To bring all of us together in the new Israel, this universal kingdom under the banner of love. Right? And he's not going to get up on a horse or a golden throne. He's going to go up on the throne of the cross and he's going to give his life out for us and he's going to pour that life into us and he's give that life to us. This guy, this crazy bishop, got to get rid of the Our Father because it's problematic. No, Jesus doesn't, God doesn't harm, he heals. And we give him the things that have hurt us. Whether we're bad fathers or bad marriages or we're, we're, we've been betrayed or we're sick or we're troubled or, we're, or whatever it is. We're having whatever our things are that keep us up at night and make us anxious and afraid and burden us. He's going to say, I'm going to take that burden on and I'm going to go on the cross and I'm going to nail it to the cross and I'm going to die with it so that you can live with me because the Father and I are one. If you know God, you know me, you know me, you know God. And we're being brought into that mysterious unity of that mysterious Trinitarian family to share in that life of grace. So that when things go bad, we don't run away from it or change it or you know, seek to make it disappear. Rather, we give it to him and Jesus changes the very thing that we're afraid of that burdens us and he lightens it by taking it into himself and changing it into the very very means by which he brings about conversion and salvation and redemption in our life. 
That's how it works. You know, he said, I've hidden all this for those people on their high horses, on their golden thrones. All those people who refuse to deal with me on my terms of humility and peace and love. I hide it from, I hide it from the high and mighty because they will never understand it. But riding on my donkey, I give it to the little ones. I ride low because then they can look me in the eye and they can see that I love them. I give it to children. And he says, you've got to be like a child. He doesn't say remain a child because that's our problem. Nobody wants to grow up. Rather, he says, become a child again. All the complexities and difficulties of our lives. He's saying, become a child. What's, what's, in, what's, what's that quality of, ch- uh, of, of children? They're simple. They have faith. They believe. They trust. And what do children want? They want to be loved. And they want to be held. And they want to be healed. And they want to know that they've got a place. And they have a home. And that they're safe. That's what children want. That's what we want. And that's what Jesus is saying to us. It's simple. Be a child. Desire what children desire. And, it, and it's yours. I'm going to give it to you. Remember Rehoboam? He doubled down on the yoke and on the burden. So what does Jesus say? Come to me, you who are labor and are burdened and overtaxed and afraid and, and wounded and, and anxious and sinful. Give me your yoke and give me your burden and I'm going to take it and I'm going to carry it and I'm going to heal it and I'm going to give you rest. And what is rest? It's God's delight in us because we are his children. Mother Teresa, she said, I never speak to people in more than one syllable if I can help it because they're children and they can understand that. They understand me because I speak their language. There was a Protestant theologian in the last century, Karl Barth, greatest Protestant theologian of the, of the 20th century, and he did battle with the modernists, like this bishop, and like if this bishop, if he was still alive, he'd be battling this bishop in, in England who wants to do away with the Our Father. And, and at these, his last lecture, uh, before he retired, uh, they gave him a standing ovation, and when they, they asked questions afterwards, and one of the people that stood up and said, uh, Professor Barth, what are uh, all the most profound things you've ever written or said? What is the most profoundest? Most profound thing that you know out of all the things you've done and, and written and said. No. The most profound thing I know is simple. Jesus loves me. Our greatest theologian, Thomas Aquinas, uh, who wrote 4,000 pages of the greatest theological treatise the world has ever known, the Summa Theologia. And he said, everything I've written is so much straw before God. For me, it all comes down to one thing. The simple faith that my mother taught me and prayed with me. When she knelt down at my bedside every night. That's, that's everything. And it's so simple. And he said, he said to the people, 
Because there's, it's so simple. We make it so difficult. There's only three things you need to know. You need to know the creed. Because that tells you what to believe. And you need to know the commandments because that tells you what to do. And you need to know the Our Father because that tells you what to hope for and how to love. It's so simple. My, uh, my parents uh, used to pray with us before we went to bed every night. And it was a simple prayer. And I still pray uh, from time to time. Especially when I'm having a bad day. I do what they taught me to do. My brothers and sisters. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. God bless mom. God bless dad. God bless... Lori, God bless Ben, God bless Danny, God bless, God bless uh, Maggie, and God bless John, and God bless Matt, and God bless the dog, and God bless grandma and grandpas, and aunts and uncles, and cousins, and, and gosh, you could get 20 extra minutes before you had to go to bed by praying that prayer. <laughs> you know, and we extend it to the, like, here in St. Pat's, and the nuns, and God bless Sister Carol, and God bless Father Ryan, and Father Roberts, and Father Dempsey, and Father Linster, and Father Miller, and Father Slampack, and all the other guys. Uh, you know, it's so simple, brothers and sisters, just to pray out of the intimacy that the Father and, and the Son have shared with us by coming to us and bringing us into themselves. We're so blessed.